satellite groups. We're so glad that you're with us. Thank you for joining. If you're watching this online, um, thank you so much for being part of what we're doing here. And to all of you, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, we are diving into Exodus 14. So if you have a Bible, I would love for you to get it out. I think a phone app is a Bible. So yes, get out your apps, get out your Bibles, because what we're going to do today, we're going to do something a little different. This text is so rich that I don't want to miss any of it. So what we're going to do is we're just going to walk through the text and we're going to draw out what God has for us. And so for those of you in the house that are note takers, that are J's, I have to tell you, I have to prepare you for this. It's going to be a, a wee little 10-point sermon. So if you need to save notes, it's not a three-pointer this time. It's a 10-pointer. So there's going to be 10 things that we're going to learn about how, what God does when he fights for us. So if you're a note taker, get ready. Get your Bibles ready. Are we good? Let's go. Okay, Exodus 14, verse number one. I'm just going to start reading. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Piharoth, near Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea, directly opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. Hold on to that word hemmed. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. All right, so verse number two says, tell the Israelites to turn back. Have you ever been in life on a journey or going somewhere and you feel like you're making progress forward and then suddenly you start going backwards, right? We sometimes think that that's a miss, that it's a f our fault when we backslide, when we go back. But we're going to see in this that the Lord is telling them to go back. So remember, they just escaped Pharaoh and they're leaving through the desert, and they're not traveling with like a backpack. They are carrying every single possession they own and all the riches that they just plundered from the Egyptians. So they're like, they're heavy laden, they're loaded down, and they're not traveling in small packs. They're traveling with thousands and thousands and thousands of people. That's a lot to organize. So when the Lord says to them, now turn back where you just came from, that's not like an easy, like, okay, yeah, I'll go back. They have to rally the troops. They have to let everybody know, and they have to bring thousands of people exactly back where they just came from. This is not an easy command. This isn't like a little, they did a little turn. They literally went back because the Lord, remember, the Lord has a plan. Now, I looked up the words because you know I'm a word nerd, and pihathera means mouth of the gorges, mouth where the sea comes in. So turn to your neighbor and go, rawr. Yes. So Pyathra means mouth of the gorges where all the water comes in. And then Migdal means tower. So turn to your neighbor and go, ooh, ooh, tower. Okay, so the Israelites, they've been on this big journey. The Lord tells them to come back. And then they t the Lord tells them to encamp um, between Pyathra, the gorge, the scary waters, and Migdal, the tower. So guess what? They are trapped in. They have the Red Sea behind them. They got all the gorges. There's no way out. And then they have the Tower of Migdal next to them. Have you ever been in a rough place between a rock and a hard place? This is where the Israelites are. And this is the first lesson that we learned today. And that is God positions us perfectly. It is not an accident 
that they are hemmed in, that they are surrounded, that there is no way out. And sometimes in life, we look at our circumstances and we think, where did I go wrong? How did I get here? I, I'm stuck. But the thing is with the Lord, we're never stuck. His power is always available to us and he always has a plan. So I don't know what's going on in your life right now. I don't know where you feel stuck, like you're between a rock and a hard place and you have your back to the wall, but we're gonna trust that the Lord has you there and he's got something to show you there and he wants to show you his power in that place where you are suddenly defenseless. God wants to show you how big he is. So that's the first thing that we learned today. Um, Carrying on in verse number five, it says, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We've let the Israelites go and lost their services. That's a big deal. They had slave labor. Everything that was getting done for them was free. They just lost their entire workforce. So this is a big deal. Verse 6, so he had his chariots made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. I love those words. Can't you just imagine them like, ha ha, here we go. Let's go. We're going. They're marching out boldly and suddenly... Pharaoh's like, oh, that's my labor force. Go get them. So verse nine, the Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops. I mean, he really packed this in. Pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they encamped near Pahathra and opposite Baal Zephon. Now Baal Zephon's on the other side of the Red Sea and I've seen pictures of it and it kind of looks like this exotic island. So the, all the Israelites are trapped, but then when they look across the sea, there's like this beautiful little paradise over there that's so close but so far. So the second thing we learned today, Pharaoh is getting his army ready to attack the Israelites. He said they could let them go, but he's like, I cannot lose them. So the second point we learned is that we have an enemy. In the battle, we have an enemy, and it might not be as blatant as Pharaoh and his horses and his chariots, but the enemy that lingers in our society today is very subtle and very crafty and very cunning. But you have an enemy that's after your soul, that wants to enslave you to whatever it wants to enslave you to. It wants to be your master, which is why the deliverance of the Lord is so powerful, right? We have a God who wants to fight and battle our enemy for us, but the problem is sometimes we just forget that we have an enemy, right? We're going about our days, we're living our lives, we're thinking that, you know, we go to Bible study, we read the Bible, we're good, and Satan has such a tricky way, even in social media, the comparison, the greed, the wanting more, the not feeling enough. Satan is sneaky, and he doesn't always make himself known. It's not always a chariot chasing after you. But as we saw in this, Pharaoh put all of his resources into getting his slaves back. And you better believe Satan's going to put all of his resources into getting your attention away from God. What is your enemy in this season? Don't label it out loud, but in your heart, what is competing for your affection with God? Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's just a preoccupation with all the stuff you have going on. But Satan wants to keep you from God. That's his biggest goal. And so we have to remember, when the Lord fights for us, we have a real enemy. 
It's not, we're not just skipping through flower fields hoping that the next best thing will come along. We have somebody who is chasing after us with force and that's why we need a holy God because we have a big enemy, but we have a bigger God. Um, okay, so we're gonna ver- jump to verse 10. Um, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And so our third point today is check out that bondage. Check out that bondage. Now we just saw the Lord provide 10 miraculous signs that he was for his people. Do you remember the Passover? He had them mark blood on their doors and he didn't kill the oldest child in the house. Now they just saw all of this wonder, all of this glory. They just experienced and tasted the goodness of the Lord. And the second their slave masters start coming back to them, they start complaining, oh, we should, we should have never left. We should, be, we should have been slaves forever. Now here's the thing about humanity, and you'll get this with me. It's very easy to see other people's bondage, right? It's very easy. You can look at your girlfriends and you can say, oh, they're, they're idolizing their family, or oh, she's idolizing her looks, or she's, you know, she's chasing money too much. It's really easy to see what people are drawn to. It can be very hard to see what we're enslaved to. It's kind of like a fish in water. We just, it's the air we breathe. We don't even realize that we're enslaved to something. And so God, God's saying, check out your own bondage. What's enslaving you today? What are you tempted to run back to? I even think of like things that we do in our lives every day. Like when, you, when something really hard happens or bad, like occurs in your life, where do you go? Do you go to the mall? Do you go to the gym? Do you text your friends? Do you go cook? Do you go eat? Do you go, what do you do? Where do you go? when things are hard. Because those are the things, those are our false idols that are providing some form of brief relief, but they're just an illusion. They're not actually gonna deliver you. And God's saying, I don't want you to run to other idols. I don't want you to run after anything. They, those things can't set you free. Only I can set you free. So in this lesson today, I feel like the Lord is telling us, like, check your bondage. Where are you enslaved? When are you tempted to run back to something else that isn't gonna deliver you? And I'm saying this with no shame because we all have our things. We all have our things that we turn to for comfort, for security, for our identity other than God. And that's where God says, no, 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 don't fall in the trap. Don't get stuck. Check your bondage. Because it's easy to look at the Israelites and be like, what were they thinking? Like, they just saw 10 signs? Idiots. That's what I think sometimes. And we know what's coming in the story. We're like, wait for it, wait for it. God's going to do something. And some of us are in a chapter of our life where God is going to do something, but we can't see it yet. And we're so tempted to go back. We're so tempted to control the plan. We're so tempted to go to surrender to something else. And God says, no, 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 check your bondage. I set you free for a reason. You are free. They do not own you. That thing that you want, that you think you need, I am enough. Come to me, I will deliver you. 
All right, we're jumping down to verse 13. I love this part. Moses answered the people. This is Moses' like shining moment. Remember when Moses was all scared and timid and was like, I, don't, I can't do this. This is Mo- Moses' like climax moment where the hero scene comes out. Moses just, he nails this and I'm so proud of him and I'm so happy. Moses said, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, I love this, you will never see again. And then listen to this. I'm going to speak this over you. This is God's word and somebody needs this this morning. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. So point number four is he gives instructions for the battle. And this is not a one-time deal. This is not just a battle some thousands of years ago in a different country. This is the same battle that we fight today. And these three instructions still apply. And the first one is, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I don't know if you're like me, but fear can make me think crazy things. Fear just like makes us into different people where we're like not ourselves. Um, when, I was, when I was younger, I wanted to be a babysitter because I read the Babysitter's Club books and I wanted part of that. And so I signed up for the YMCA babysitting class, which all my girlfriends were doing, 11, 12, and 13. We went to this class, and they taught us how to be good babysitters. And I will never forget, I think it was a three-week class, one of the sessions, they talked about safety. And they talked about how there was this one time where a robber had broken in the second floor window and came into the house when someone was babysitting. Now, I'm an 11 or 12-year-old girl, And I'm horrified. All I'm thinking is like, okay, note to self, like close every window, close every window. And so I, babysitter protocol, I was like, I got the lesson, I receive it, I will not let that man in when I'm babysitting. So a few weeks later, I'm at my own house, I'm babysitting myself. My parents trusted me to be home alone. And so, and you know, mom and dad leave and I'm like, protocol, close all the windows. So I close all the windows, I'm safe, I'm locked, I'm secure, and I'm doing my homework at my desk. And the worst thing imaginable happens. I hear something. And it's not, it's not like an automated thing. It's not the dishwasher. It's not a clock. I hear a very soft and slow creaking. And it's not rhythmic. It's not something, it's not a clock. It's not something that's broken that's going. It's slow. So I'm sitting there doing my homework and I hear the creak and I'm like, all the, win- all the windows are locked. What could it be? So I just sit there and I'm like, okay, like you're going crazy in my head, but I'm like, Coley, you're gonna be fine, you're gonna be fine. Well then, you know, 10, 15 seconds later, I hear another little creak and and my stairs are creaky. So I know, I know somebody is coming up and I don't know what to do and I'm going crazy in my mind. So I'm, I'm kind of trying to brainstorm on the spot. I'm like, oh, make a fake phone call. Then I'll scare him like, hey, Julie, you want to play today? Thinking that if he hears I'm talking to Julie, he's not stepping in. He knows Julie will come save me. So I'm sitting there and the, the, the fake phone call, silence for a little bit. I'm like, okay. Then sure enough, 10 seconds later, creak. So I'm, I'm going crazy in my mind and fear is taking a hold of me. I start thinking maybe I should write a goodbye letter. 
Like I'm here, like maybe, do I do a last phone call or is that gonna like put me out on the street? I don't know what to do, but my little 11 year old mind is trying to solve the problem of the murderer who's about to get me. And eventually, and it was probably three or four minutes of just sheer torture, and eventually I'm like, you know what? I can't live like this. If he's gonna take me, he's gonna have to go down with a fight. So I grab my, my pencil, whatever I got, and I turn around and I'm ready to attack this man that has snuck into my house even though I closed all the windows. And I turn around, and it's my chubby little hamster on the wheel. <laughs> just, doing, just doing mild exercise. He, he's chubby, he can't do the consistent. It would've been like squeak, 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 squeak. He would do a little, he'd do a few paws and then he'd rest. <laughs> and then he'd get back up and he'd do a few paws more and that was the day that I loved Coco more than I've ever loved Coco before. <laughs> now why do I tell you this silly story of me thinking I'm gonna die? I'm telling you it because this command is real for us today and that's a silly story but this is real. Do not be afraid. When fear gets a hold of you, we do crazy things. We think crazy things. And the reality is whatever you're afraid of, whether it's you think someone's gonna murder you and it's really your hamster, or you're afraid you're gonna lose your house, that there's a relationship on the line, whatever it is you're afraid of, we have a God that's a thousand times bigger. It is not worth your time. It is not worth your worry. It's not worth your fear. God says, do not fear, because you will do crazy things. So I don't know what is making you afraid today, but I want you to submit to this word. Do not be afraid. God is bigger than whatever you fear. Second thing is stand firm. We're so tempted to fight or flight, right? Something comes up, we're afraid, and we want to react, and we want to do something. And Moses tells, Moses knows this. He's watching them panic. He's watching thousands of Israelites look up and see the chariots coming, and he knows that their minds are going crazy. And so he gives them this command. He says, stand firm. And some of us, especially if you're like me and you like to control, we like to go try to make things happen. Like, there's a problem, I will fix it. There's something wrong, like, let me change it all. And Moses says, no, 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 don't, don't meddle. Stand firm. Stand right where you are. You do not need to fix this. This problem is bigger than you. Stand firm. Remain faithful. Trust that the Lord has something for you in this exact place. Remember, he, it wasn't an accident that he put them hemmed in. And sometimes when we're hemmed in, we get really, we get scared and anxious. No, he says, stand firm. And some of you are in problems today that you just want to bolt from or you want to rev up and do everything. And God's just saying, stand firm, stand firm, remain where you are. And the last one, this is my favorite. This is hard. This is my favorite though. You only need be still. I love the picture that Allison shared of the Lord holding her while the battle goes on around some of us need to, I'm, I'm speaking to myself, some of us need to hear this today. You need to stay still. Stillness puts us in a posture to remember who God is and who we are. To remember how big he is and to remember how small we are and how little we can do. And so he says, you only need to remain still. So some of you today, I hope that's a word for you. I hope if you're in a season of panic or fear or worry, you have the freedom to be still and watch the Lord do what he's going to do. All right, verse, we're jumping back to verse 15. Um, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? I love that. Just like, yo, bro, you know what's going on. Why are you crying out? Tell the Israelites to move on. Pack up your stuff, thousands of you people. He says to Moses, he says, raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the waters so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. And God says, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and 
all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and horsemen. Point number five is our God is a promise maker. He's setting the stage for what he's going to do. He's promising them. He says, he says the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh. Can you imagine the joy that the Israelites, the hope that this would have sparked in them? Remember, they've been oppressed for 430 years. They're looking up at the horizon and they think they're going to die because they're trapped. They can't go anywhere. And he says, the Egyptians, those people that are attacking you, even they are going to know that I'm God. God is a promise maker, and God cannot lie. So when he makes a promise, it has to, based on his nature and character, he has to fulfill it. So he promises that he's going to use even the enemy. Even the enemy will know who he is. And some of us right now, there's a real enemy, right? There's a real enemy that we need to hold to God's promises and not stray away and not sink back into, okay, I'm going to figure this out myself. God says, I will deliver you. And you see that sea just part. Oh, I would, I hope when we get to heaven, there's like little miracle stations, you know, and you get to go experience them because I want to go to heaven and I want to grab the staff and go boom and this whoosh. (laughs) That's the first place I'm going is the sea departure where Moses stood. How cool is that? God is a promise maker. He promises that the Egyptians will know his glory and he is worthy to be praised. I love that. Um, Okay, we got to, sorry, I'm cruising us through. So sorry for those of you that are slow note takers, but we got a lot to cover. Um, Verse, point number six, um, verse 19, it says, then the angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud moved in front and stood behind them coming behind them between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. I, this is, when you read the word sometimes, the Lord has little gems for you that aren't even part of the lesson. And this was one of those little gems for me. And I asked you to hang on to that word hemmed. And in verse three, you said, the Israelites are wandering around in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And then you see this picture of God in verse 19, the angel of God who'd been traveling in front withdraws to the back. And behind them, he puts darkness so that nobody can find them or follow them. And in the front, he puts light which in this case is life. They are, it's nighttime. They cannot see, they don't have iPhones. They don't, they can't flip that out and see. It is pure dark and they are about to cross a sea that has never before been crossed. And they have an enemy that is chasing them down, that has outnumbered them, that is stronger than them, that is bigger than them, that has enslaved them for 430 years. And what does the Lord do? He hems them in. He becomes light that they need in the front and darkness that they need in the back. That is powerful, that we have a Lord who hems us in. And there is this video that I just love that I think illustrates this point really well. Um, and it makes, when I, when I heard the word hem, 
this is what I thought of. So I wanted to share it with you. If you want, you to, want keep to keep warm. warm when you're feeling chilled, but you don't want to raise your heating bill. Blankets are okay, but they can slip and slide. And when you need to reach for something, your hands are trapped inside. Now, there's the Snuggie, the blanket <laughs> that has sleeves. The Snuggie keeps you totally warm and gives you the freedom to use your hands. So now, you can work the remote or read a book in total warmth and comfort. Use your laptop without being cold or enjoy a snack while staying snuggly warm. Snuggie is made of ultra soft, thick, luxurious fleece with oversized sleeves so you can move your arms and use your hands and still be wrapped in warmth. Super large, one size fits all, so you can stay warm from head to toe. No more cold feet. And with Snuggie, you can get up and still stay warm. Perfect for men, women, and children, too. The ultra soft fleece keeps you totally warm, and the sleeves keep your hands free. So you can snuggle your baby in your arms or keep your pet close at hand. Perfect for chilly outdoor evenings to stay cozy and warm at sporting events. And it's ideal for those drafty dorm rooms. The Snuggie is machine washable, so you'll get years of warmth and comfort. Now you can do what you need to and stay totally warm with the Snuggie. <laughs> oh, Snuggies. Okay, this is a true story. I wanted a Snuggie so bad when I saw this, and I put it on my Christmas list every, every year. My parents never bought it for us. But I love that picture of sn like snuggling into something, and I think that that's what the Lord invites us to, to snuggle in, and he will cover us in the front in the back, he holds us in his comfort. And when we are in a battle and when we're fighting, there is nothing we need more than the Lord's comfort surrounding us and holding us. And I went on retreat this last week and we did Lectio Divina, which is when you read a verse multiple times and you just let the Lord reveal whatever he wants to say in that passage to you. And so I did that um, this last week and the verse that the Lord spoke to me, we had to do it for Psalm 139. I just want to share with you the word that the Lord gave me in that. Um, it says, verse four, it says, before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand on me. And that concept of being hemmed in, you have a God, we have a God who hems us in, who goes before and who goes behind and holds us in that place. And so I don't, I don't know the battle that you're fighting today. I don't know that what the outcome is going to be. But what I do know is you have a God who wants to snuggle you in his comfort who wants to be there in front of you and behind you and protecting you on every single angle. You are not alone. Emmanuel, God with us. And whether that's darkness in the back and light in the front, or whether that's the mouth of the sea and a tower, however it looks for your life, he is in front of you and he is behind you and you are not in the battle alone. Amen? Amen. All right, let's move on. Verse 21, it says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. And point number seven is, we have a God who makes a way. We have a God who makes a way. This, my friends, this is a picture of the gospel. 
So right now they are separated by an ocean of water. This paradise is on the other side, this island where they would be safe. And right now they have death crouching down their back and they are stuck. They are trapped between a rock and a hard place and there is no way out. And so they know that they're gonna die. And the Lord comes and he tells Moses to raise his hand and he divides the sea and he makes a way for them. Friends, this verse is referenced 12 times in the Old Testament, numerous times in the New Testament. This is a picture of what Jesus does for us. We are trapped in our sin. We are trapped in death. And there is this perfect God, that island of delight that, that we have no means to get to. I like to think of it as like God in heaven and us on earth. And like, no matter how high I jump or how many ladders I climb, I can never get myself up there, right? Even if I build a plane, I can't get to him. It's too far. But we have a God who loves us, who sent his only son to die for us, to create a way where there was no way. There was no way they were going to live unless God intervened. And he put his arm out and the sea divided. And friends, that's what the Lord does for us with Jesus. He makes a way for us to go to heaven. He makes a way for us to not be trapped by death, to not live in bondage, to not live in sin. He makes a way for us. And I was watching a Timothy Keller video, and I, loved, I thought this was such a brilliant point. He's, Timothy Keller said there's probably two different ways that people went through the sea, right? Because remember, this, it's the east wind comes and the sea is just straight up. And he's like, I bet you some people were walking through like, yeah, that's my God. What up? What up? Like, he's got it. You know, just like, I can't believe he did this for me. And you know, some people were crossing over like, we're going to die in the sea. We're going to die in the sea. We're going to die in the sea. We're, we're going to die in the sea. And you know what? This is a perfect picture is it did not matter their level of faith. Your level of faith does not determine whether you can cross or not. The only thing that determines is if you're going to make the walk. Do you believe Jesus? Are you going to walk with Jesus? And you can be scared the whole time. Or you can be, yeah, my God's got this. And guess what? All the Israelites made it across. It does not depend on your faith. It depends on what God did on the cross through Jesus, and we have this invitation to walk it. Now, if any of the Israelites were too scared to walk it, they would die. They would remain on the other side. But the Israelites trusted that the way that had been made for them was from God, and they walked it. And Jesus makes a way from us. He says, all who believe in me will have eternal life. And so when we accept Jesus, when we walk that path, we are spared from death. This is a picture of the gospel, my friends. And other, one other thing to note that's kind of cool is that when they walked through, this, this was their baptism. Covered in water, declaring that the Lord is God, and they walked from death to life through the waters. It's a beautiful picture that I was struck by. Um, okay, we gotta keep moving. Verse 23, the Egyptians pursued them and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of the chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. And point number eight is that we have a God who's a promise keeper. His promise was that the Egyptians would know his glory. And here we see them saying, we got to get out of this. The Lord is fighting for them. Even the Egyptians declared that God was God. And that's the beautiful thing about it is God does this. We don't. 
God confused the army. So often we feel like when we're in a battle, it's our job to attack. It's our job to thwart the enemy. And as you'll, if you'll remember, the Israelites walked through the promised land and left their enemies behind. Let God deal with them. And some of us need to do that today. Some of us are trying to take on our enemies ourselves. Some of, them are, some of us are trying to plot against our enemy. How am I going to get him? How am I going to take him out? The Israelites, they just kept moving forward. They kept following Jesus, and they let the Lord take care of the mess. Who do you need to submit to the Lord? Who do you need to leave behind and just let the Lord deal with? Maybe it's someone who's wounded you. Maybe it's someone who's spoken ill about you. Maybe it's somebody who you've had a conflict with. Maybe it's someone who's just really disappointed you and you want to try to make it right. I want to try to make it right because we're human. We want to fix it or we want to get even. And the Lord, that illustration is so beautiful. Leave it behind. Let God, let God throw somebody in confusion. You don't manipulate or try to throw someone into confusion or cause them to stumble because we don't want to sin. Some of us need to leave our enemies to the Lord today because he is a promise keeper and he does not falter on his word. Uh, verse number 26, it says, Then the Lord said to Mo, oh, did we already do this? No, it's just a re repetition. Okay. Verse 26, then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and their horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak, the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. So point number nine is, when God fights, he wins. When God fights, he wins. Now, you have to remember that the Lord, it's been a showdown of God and Pharaoh, and God has beaten Pharaoh every single time. And so not only did the Lord take away all their free labor, not only did he plunder all their wealth, now he took out all their military strategy. He basically canceled Egypt off the map. They have nothing left. They've lost all their military, all their resources, and they've lost all their labor. God, this is like God being like mic drop, boom. Right? When God fights for us, he completes the task. That picture of that water going back over, our job is to obey and follow, and we let the Lord the rest. We let the Lord complete the things that he has put in place to complete. We have a God who wins, and we want to be on the winning side. We want to be with our God. We want to be fighting for our God because our God is victorious, and he invites us to join him in the victory. So will you praise him today? Will you praise him that he is a God who wins, that fights for us? You are not alone in this battle. God is fighting for you. And the last point today is verse 29. It says, But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. Verse 31, And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and Moses his servant. Point number 10 is this is a picture of our salvation. He delivered his people from death to life and he made a way and he makes a way for us. The power that we have in Jesus is greater than any power 
in the world. And I don't know what battle you're fighting today. I don't know what you came into this lesson carrying, but I know that we have a God who fights for us and who delivers and, to bring, and who brings all of his plans to completion. And that we, hate, we take hope in. The Lord is fighting for you. Whether you feel like you're trapped between a rock and a hard place, whether you're crossing through something really scary that if you don't know if it's going to work, whether you're getting to the other side and you're watching God overcome your enemies, I don't know where you are in the journey, but the Lord is fighting for you and he has not forgotten you and his power is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The God who divided the seas is the same God who steps in, who hems us in and fights for us today. And the question that I have, the challenge that I have for you is will you let him? Will you be obedient? Will you not be afraid? Will you stand still? Will you watch him deliver you? Because the world needs people that are going to let God fight their battles instead of people fighting them themselves. Uh, the last little tidbit I want to share with you, just because I thought it was cool when I was studying it, I looked into the Red Sea and why it's called the Red Sea. And um, there's an algae that lives there that when it dies, it gives off like a reddish-brown tint. And I think that's, I just love how creative our God is, that he would leave, the sea that he decided to part is the Red Sea of this reminder of when he wiped out the Egyptian army. He left the water red. He left it as a reminder that only I can do this. And the redness, his blood is the only thing that saves us. So may you be blessed today. I want to pray for us before we leave. Uh, so if you bow your heads with me, close your eyes. Father, we thank you that you are a God who fights for us, Lord. You do not leave us behind. You want to deliver us into true freedom, God. Not false freedom, but true freedom. And so, Lord, we just enter your holiness today, and we surrender. We surrender our own tactics. We surrender control. We surrender getting even, God, and we just submit to you that we need you to fight for us, Lord. We need you to take on the battles that are too big for us. So, Lord, would you speak to us each today and as a community, Lord, of how to walk this out this week, Lord? What battle do we need to let you fight, and where do we need to only be still? Thank you that you're a God who delivers and has made a way for us. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen.